Ross Payton with Roleplaying Bubble Radio. This is RBBR episode 163, Scum and Villainy. Woo! We're going to be talking about Scum and Villainy, a forged in the dark role-playing game. Out from Evil Hat. Uh, well, it actually came out last year, but we've been playing a lot of it lately. So uh, I wanted to talk about it and like get y'all's uh, some info on the system. We can talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, all that fun stuff. So uh, And with me, we have uh, three of the players in the game. Not all of them, because I only have so many microphones, but... <laughs> There's so like it's a finite resource microphone. Uh yeah, with me not as always is Tom, Woo! Aaron, hey. and Sean. Hey. Yep. Uh, so, uh, before we get into that though, let's, uh, get through a little news. Um, RPPR Tabletop Tales is going strong. And if you haven't, uh, if you're, you're an addict for actual plays, uh, I can't feed you enough of them. Uh, you might want to subscribe to RPPR Tabletop Tales, uh, where we do one campaign from beginning to end at a time. Uh, and right now, Adam Scott Glancy was ever so kind to send us a, a full Hollow Earth campaign, uh, Hollow Earth Expedition, uh, campaign. Uh, and it is very pulpy, very, uh, you know, uh, shooting dinosaurs, shooting Nazis, shooting, shooting, just bad people. Shooting There's dinosaur Zeppelins. Nazis? Yep, probably. Okay. Uh, I haven't listened to the whole thing myself, <laughs> and, uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Hollow Earth Nazis. I hate Hollow Earth Nazis. <laughs> uh, and, uh, after that, uh, David is going to be sending us some games, uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll have a lot of, and then of course we're going to be doing a conflict 47 war gaming campaign report yep. experiment on tabletop tales. So be sure to check that out. Uh, Aaron has, uh, something he's been up to aside from. Our oh video. yeah. Uh, so for the last, actually, again, it's actually been over the last year. Uh, it's been sporadic in the beginning, but we have, uh, gotten more or less a schedule down. Uh, Sean and I have actually been, uh, reviving raillery off to the side as a Twitch channel. Uh, it's at Raillery uh, Podcast Streaming. You can find us at that particular address. And we've been doing it on, f- on Twitch. Sorry, yeah. Uh, ra- Twitch.tv slash yeah. that uh, thing you just Yeah, Raillery Podcast Streaming. So we're pretty <laughs> much on the same. Uh, yeah, we are. I still have do have plans to upload some of what we have already done to the YouTube uh, channel at some point in time. I've just gotten busy, unfortunately. Uh, but we do have a full playthrough of Shadow of the Colossus, the remastered edition underneath our belt so that was all recorded uh we've been doing like any other uh, we, we just wrapped up spider-man yeah too. we did wrap up spider-man yeah no it the, good one. The, the good one that just came out but yeah, yeah the spider-man yeah. ps4 confirmed. game we have yeah. wrapped that up uh i will try to import as much as i can from that as possible because we did lose a couple of clips unfortunately due to just time i know lost to the internet but yep. you kind of get the uh the, the gist of it. Uh, it is the adventures of, on our case, the Emissary of Hell, Spider-Man. Yep. Uh, but we've, we're currently doing that. Uh, we do our plan. I am making plans to go ahead and do uh, days outside of our normal Wednesday broadcast, uh, where it could be Ross or a couple other people through Discord Ooh. trying to get us on for maybe some local co-op or anything. But it just depends on the scheduling because uh, we are seeing if we can break to the affiliate level like our friends over at BP and Game, <laughs> Best yep. Pal Brigade's game. Uh, but also, uh, we should make the announcement here. I'm saying this is a tentative. Uh, I have my hands on Kingdom Hearts 3. You should know, already know my relationship with this game. Seriously, series. I've, been, I've been watching him vibrate in the house. I, I was just going to say, it, due to my presence, it's not going to be the most sterling perfect review. Uh, well, <laughs> it, it, well like I said, I, I, I'm definitely going to get into the lore. Sean will be bringing me back to reality at any given point. Uh, this is coming with a slight uh, preface, though, that uh, we have been warned because of... Uh, Square Enix's blocks on certain streaming sections. This might go through in some cases or not. We've heard rumors that certain scenes are being blocked. I will see how I can get around that. 
Uh, but if not, we will just do the best we can, and I will try to narrate that for you if at all possible. But uh, we're really excited to be able to kind of do this. Uh, if you, we already have a, actually a pretty significant follower base for just a small channel right now. If you like watching, you know, us goof off on the games as much as you do in the live and the actual plays, feel free to come on back by because we're really happy to do, be doing this. So. All right. Yeah. No. It's it's been fun. I've I've jumped in a couple times to watch. Yeah. And for, or and for payday, we actually had you when we were doing payday every once in a while. Uh, that's actually something I plan on an off day too. Is that uh, for payday? We all, as we know, the game has technically ended now. <laughs> no, it's very ended. The company is in financial. Ruins. I know it is bad. Uh, but uh, so, they. Yeah. But we. Uh, Ross has actually already done the secret ending. I've qualified for it, so that's going to be a stream oh, yeah. night where yeah. Ross guides me through, and hopefully we won't die. Yeah, we might try and get someone else. Uh, yeah, sucker. That well, I mean, it, the worst is we're killed by uh, shadow cloakers, which are you know uh, ghost ninjas. Yeah, I'm not sure. They have. Oh my, they have guns. Yeah, and the subspecies of ninjas, incredible. Yeah, <laughs> it's going off. For, yeah, it's definitely all there. Uh, but something I would a- end with though is that uh, if you have any specific game request, uh, I have a large library of other Steam games that we'll probably be doing soon. But if you have ones that you would like maybe to send to us, that if you have a specific request that we can do, we'll give that a try. Yeah, I, I'm right. trying to talk Aaron into doing a, a non-H visual novel. <laughs> um, uh, okay well that's cool uh be sure to and aaron what is your twitter handle People oh uh that's just at aaron karsten a-a-r-o-n c-a-r-s-t-e-n okay i uh, am boring <laughs> uh, no well aaron, that's great marketing there um <laughs> but tweet it ang- angrily at aaron if you have problems with his raillery uh as streaming um <laughs> why, why uh, angrily i i don't know because that it's well, the you, internet you make uh, an assumption we'll yeah. say with much with tremendous fervor um <laughs> and then finally uh speaking of social media i am now using instagram i set up my account years ago but now uh because it packs out i've actually decided to start using it so i'm taking photos and posting them uh i am ross.payton on instagram uh feel free to follow me look at my photos here's uh, a hint he was mostly videos. doing here's a hint he was mostly doing gamer fuel stuff that i told him not to do i only did like one of those uh <laughs> but yeah uh <laughs> I, I there's a photo you can actually see me I, I, I took a photo in the Resident Evil 2 car at Pack South yep. it was very neat so, you uh, can, if yeah. you, so if you have no idea what kind of stud muffin Ross is in real life <laughs> check out his, the photos of him Tom thanks for being my wingman uh, I, got, I got you man I got you <laughs> alright uh, so that's it for the news um, and so let's get on to our main topic which is Scum and Villainy uh, the role playing game so uh, I picked this game up at PAX, or not PAX South, Origins last year. Uh, we finally got around running it last fall. We ran like six or seven sessions of it. Uh, plus, I've done a one-shot uh, PAX South, actually, last weekend with uh, some of the RPPR regulars and some new players. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's been really fun, and I really want to talk about the system. Uh, why don't we just go around the table and kind of, guys, each of you just give me a little overview of like, what, you, what your overall impression of the system is. So, Sean, you haven't been talking. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, again, I'll, I did read... Blades, Blades of the Dark a while back, and so it's it's the quick version. So you can actually compare between the two. Yeah, I know it's the, it's a sci-fi version, but it's really heavy on the pastiche uh, as opposed to Blades of the Dark, which is totally original. Well, no, that actually did refer to uh, oh Dishonored pretty yeah. heavily, like mm-hmm. stupid heavily, um, and a little bit of Thief. But anyhow, this one is a little more dependent on like Star Wars and Firefly was heavily referenced, and a few other things. Dune got some. Strong implications on the GM side, which when you were running it, you did you did drop a lot of a lot of references there. Um, <laughs> it was like, oh, that's great. And I'm like, I've read the original series. I know what you mean. Spice cakes, anybody? <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, no. It, it's actually so. 
Well, this, oh, the system itself is pretty solid. I did enjoy it tremendously. But yeah, overall, it does lean heavily into this pastiche thing. So we can discuss that yeah. in more detail later. Um, cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, we definitely will. Um, Tom, what about you? Uh, overall, I just I think it was a breath of fresh air for one. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I, I like, I love sci-fi games. Mm-hmm. We don't, I mean, we do a fair amount of them, but... Well, year or so we've been we we've actually leaned a lot more on it in the last two years like, but it uh, felt kind of good yeah. to to be playing a system where you're you know you're freelancers mm-hmm. you know you're just trying to do you mm-hmm. it's not like you know eclipse phase where you're usually with firewall trying to yeah. stop this i love that there's nothing we have to stop that's threatening everyone okay yeah. it's kind of it's kind of a little more down to like open-ended open-ended down like i wouldn't ironically down to earth <laughs> But Tom, Pat, yes. do you say that we are the threat? We are the one who knocks. Yes. All right. <laughs> um, that's a good point about the open-ended versus the sort of like questing thing uh, that a lot of our campaigns have done. Uh, you know, historically speaking, we often like here is this story, this plot that you must get through. And Scott is like, yeah, you're you got your spaceship. You need to pay your bills. What are you gonna do? Crime. All right. We'll we'll do some crimes. Uh, it's like, like, well, do you want to do you want to really do you want to actually do that, have a legit low-paying job like? Yeah, that doesn't work for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you want to uh, totally ally with one faction, help them s- achieve their goal no matter what? It's like, eh. So far, you haven't really found one. Uh-huh. It kind of seems that like a big yeah. point, a big fear, uh, big idea of that game is. Eh. I mean, no, actually, we'll talk into a little, but that actually is the suggested end of a campaign is to help one faction achieve their goal. Uh, but uh, Aaron, what is your, your sort of overview of the system? Uh, over, overall, something that I really loved is a larger focus on cooperation than I've seen in some of the other games, because especially for different science fiction ones like uh, that we've done before, like Eclipse Phase, mm-hmm. obviously everybody's going to a common goal, but kind of the way that they've set up the characters previously is is that everybody is kind of more laser focused in their own lane. And it seems that, you know, you're all, it's very hard, especially if you may have another player that's really willing to run off and do their own thing that it, it's like it's sometimes to the disadvantage of the group. There's no real other control that goes into it. Uh, Blaze in the Dark, uh, sorry, Blaze in the Dark, Scum and Villainy actually did a, is a huge focus on making sure all the parts are going together. And, uh, as you will listen for the campaign that'll eventually come out, uh, there are a couple points where somebody, you might see my hand raising right now, does something that, yeah, threw things off the rails completely, and it took a more of a group effort, even on my side, to kind of bring that back in, but that kind of handled with everybody else. So the the cooperate, the cooperative aspect of this is something I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, certainly the mechanics uh, uh, emphasize that a lot more. Uh, I would say um, for one thing in uh, a character helping someone else, assisting someone else, uh, makes a much larger bonus to the person Absolutely. Uh, in blades in scum and villainy slash blade in the forge in the dark system versus most RPGs like, you know, a D20. Oh, you get a plus two. You, you, you get your, your effort gives that guy a plus two versus this one giving you an extra D six roll, which is really big. Yeah. I think an important part yeah. of it that I really enjoy over most other uh, systems is that, Whenever you're doing an assist in most systems, it's just, you know, you'll get a lot of players to just abuse the shit out of it because mm-hmm. they, they're thinking, I can do this for free and the group succeeds. You sacrifice. You pay mm-hmm. for that assist. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a lot um, of debate over who's helping whom because uh, and who still has stress left to do anything. Uh, yeah. I definitely want to talk about stress because mm-hmm. uh, that was a stressor for the campaign. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, <laughs> is there a cow loose in here? Yeah. Um, so yeah, first off, yeah, to give it uh, uh, the campaign, the first two episodes of which, of course, uh, as of this recording, are on RPPR. Uh, the RPPR Patreon under our new thing called Extended Early Access. Uh, so, um, and they just called the Oddballs. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's about you guys being smugglers uh, and doing weird jobs with the weird factions. Uh, beca- also, because we decided not to have an actual name for the ship, but just a series of names that we burn yeah. every time. Yeah, like uh, the Phantom like Mule. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So yeah, check that out. I'll put a link in the the show notes. And uh, we'll have some preview little clips up on social media, uh, so you can check that out. But um, yeah, the one thing to uh, uh, mention to give a little more description description of the system itself, if you're not familiar with it, is that it is a descendant of Powered by the Apocalypse. Um, in that it uses D6s and it has three success types or results. Uh, you can fail, you can succeed with a complication, or you can totally succeed. Uh, it actually has another one called critical successes, but those are r- basically just, you get additional shit. Um, but instead of the roll 2d6, add a modifier, then, you know, uh, hope you get at least a seven of, uh, powered by the apocalypse. Now you're just rolling a pool of d6s and you just look at your highest die. And so even with one die, you can totally succeed on something. Um, because yeah, if you roll six, totally success, four through five complication, one, two, three, failure. So, um, yeah, I, I like that. I think that's a little faster because you don't have to add anything. You literally just look at the highest number. Yeah, uh, I, th- I yeah, I talk about it with the general rules. I think that leaves it loose enough where it's not just, I guess, for people who would look at fate and say they don't want to kind of have to create the backstory for absolutely everything. But it it leaves enough crunch in there for the people who really, that's like required that, but not maybe like D&D level. That's yeah. like well, every little stat for Well, everything. I mean, yeah, it's obviously, well, there is a bit of crunch in it. Yeah. There is. That, but. Well, come on, like math. Ugh. Yeah, but it is essentially a narrative uh, system. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, um, it's well, I mean, it's not a storytelling system. I mean, I would still classify it as like a traditional RPG, but um, it, yeah, even like in Powered by the Pockets, like, oh, you have a plus three. Oh, that's so hard to add up. But like, if you're doing it, you know, thirty times a night, and then like, oh, it's a different plus modifier. It's a negative one instead of a plus three. Uh, it can it can throw some players off for a loop, especially if you like, oh, now you have a negative one because you're injured or something like that. Now it's all just what is your die pool size and then just roll that um so uh i do like that um so in terms of the the system itself um i kind of uh, it, it is focused on doing jobs uh missions and um the way it works is you get to choose six approaches uh ranging from assault to uh, deception uh, to transport. So like, I'm not gonna list them all, but, uh, you choose your approach and then you choose focus in on when the job starts. There's no pre-planning. You just go. Um, so I know what do you, that, that I felt was one of the harder things to get into. Um, I don't know, uh, at, at least uh, from the GM perspective, but yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of adaptation on the GM's part for that. Cause every player is going to have their own, here's my role. I want to use this as hard as possible. So Tom's character was, captain badass with a shit ton of guns so he would want to go full assault i was playing more of a talker by default and of course he wanted to try and like con his way through it whereas aaron's character wanted to use more technical solutions like computer hacking or let me make a device and let's start this with a great big device or something yeah so i mean we we all had our own little edge to it Mm -hmm. it just depended on who was kicking off the job yeah 
Um, so yeah, any any other thoughts on the on the job system like that? Uh, um, for it's more or less kind of mirroring what he talked about too. That I, I like that, but I like the fact that it gave us uh, yeah a, a clear starting point for everything else because usually if for different groups, especially if you have others that the GM will set up uh, set up the time frame, I uh, set up a, a situation, but they have a hard time seeing what skill would really be able to work from it. I think that's a good guidepost for the rest of the players to be able to kind of go through so they can at least set up some different lanes to go into and or even for better if it, you're a GM you don't feel like you're having to railroad them into one specific way to do this yeah yeah does, uh, Tom did you have any thoughts on the job system yeah, the jobs I think um, this might have just been the I guess the, the campaign but uh, yeah I, I kind of wish there was more like a way to like kind of create your own jobs Okay. Well, we kind of did a couple. A times. couple of times, yeah. but but it was more like that's kind of us uh, doing it on our. That's kind of us making up shit on our own. Well, the finale was entirely us. Yeah, I think part of that, uh, Tom. I, I see what you mean, but I think part of this was also me learning the system. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this game is a little more challenging to run uh, from well, the GM perspective. I mean, I yeah, because yeah, I'm going to be running an online game of it pretty soon here. Yeah. I thought you were using that in Base Raiders. Uh, this is for a. Uh, it's a, this is a different game. Okay. Uh, all right. Um, but yeah, for the example, uh, for our the one that we ran at Pack South, this that was that had a lot of elements that were very heavily influenced by the players mm-hmm. during that entire game, such as part of the settings, how mm-hmm. we were uh, approaching it through. I because we I think we went through the deception line on that yeah. one. So so yeah, you kind of you kind of really just kind of laid out the basis framework saying like this guy is here and then we got to build everything around it mm-hmm. i mean a lot of this whole the 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 flip side though of being able to build your own jobs <laughs> is actually having an idea of what you want to do and the thing is uh, going back to your pastiche thing mm-hmm. uh the setting is so sort of like um kind of vague about stuff in certain ways that like um it's kind of hard i feel like i don't know would you would you if you guys all sat down uh, and I was running a session, be like, okay, we want to do this. I mean, I would be fine doing that. Like, if you told me what you wanted yeah, to I do. Yeah, I know. No, it's, that's, why, like, that's why I'm not, that's, yeah. why, I'm not, that's why I'm not dunking on it. It's because yeah. I fully agree. Hey, like, hey, we were doing this game for the first time. Yeah, yeah. And also, we didn't do our one, sh- our, our rule of do a one shot to learn it. Yeah, well, we kind of, I mean, that the first session of the campaign was basically the one shot. <laughs> if you guys had not liked the game, I would have not continued but running it. I think, but I think we were all kind of like just, all right, like, all right, let's, let's not do anything too crazy. Well, I mean, here's the thing though. Uh, we like, kind of did. We, well, we, later yeah. we did. Later we, we've we done did. six, six, uh, we've done a number of sessions now. Um, do you feel like if we all sat down, you could just tell me what you wanted to do and then I would just adjudicate it? Would you be, could you come up with your own jobs? Um, I like, think so. You, okay. I never had any problem with that. Okay. No. Well, like, what would you what would you want to do? Um, I mean, I know obviously, I don't want to give away too much on it because I know yeah, we yeah. wound up and at that last job was just like, guys, I've got an idea, and uh, it went there. Well, I mean, do you have like so you already at this point? I mean, have a long term goal for your character? Uh, the character himself would not have any long term goals necessarily. Yeah, but it's just be more an issue of uh figuring out what the group sort of wants to go for a direction. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the jobs we did, you, you were informed by what we came up with in a previous mm-hmm. session or outside, outside the game of like, Oh, Hey, we want to do something involving fill in the blank mm-hmm. or things would evolve from previous uh, sessions and actions. Yeah. yeah. Or another good example, uh, without obviously giving anything away from this campaign, but with certain acquisitions that not only mean something to another part of our member of our party, but to me as well, being, uh, 
kind of the robot aspect, uh, the robot of the group, that could be another one of saying, hey, I want to learn more about this particular discipline to understand this thing, even though I'm completely from a different uh, it's like a, a different background. So like that, yeah, that, that was in the middle of the campaign. I think when you sort of get, got access to that. So, yeah. um, so you think, you, yeah. So at, at this point you can, but like, it takes some time to like understand, like, because it's a setting that's not established in previous fiction or anything like that. You can't like, I don't feel like you can go right out of the gate. Like I want to do this. Cause like, well, yeah, yeah. Cause I, I've had yeah. fantasies of doing a star Wars game where we play criminals. Like let's yeah. fuck some shit up here. But, yeah. but it, mm-hmm. yeah, this is like, but I think it's something like this. If we're a little more used to it, I think mm-hmm. we could totally make up our own narrative. And well, mm-hmm. we, we kind of did. We, we had some guidelines to start yeah, with. We, because we, when start, we, we started the, towards the end. When yeah. we made the ship, we did establish what kind of jobs we were going to do. Mm-hmm. And we chose yeah. to do kind of the oddball jobs with a smuggler ship. Therefore, a lot of our operations were, Carrying things, stealing things. We weren't going on combat heavy missions necessarily. Yeah, we, we did kind of narrow focus. Yeah, the game does provide a couple well, options. Well, and for, yeah. again, I felt that like well, early on, we we it took took a couple sessions to get footing, but I think we we kind of hit our our stride well, earlier than you're saying. Well, as far so. as action, like I do, th- I spend a lot of time attached to a harness outside the airlock with a detonator launcher. Yeah. Well, so as long as you're tell- doing that, you're well. Fine. You kept telling me to do it because yeah. it worked. Yeah. <laughs> um. So one thing I do, yeah, like we mentioned earlier, stress uh, is kind of an important resource. It's, kind of all, in the game. it's almost like a currency. It is definitely a currency in the game. Uh, it kind of replaces hit points, or it's 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 actually better than hit points or sanity. Like hit points are in D and D game, and sanity in a Cthulhu game are kind of the resources you use to survive encounters. Or like like in Cthulhu, like if you have a lot of sanity, well, I'll go read the books, you know. But if you don't, you're kind of like, eh. so. Um, what do you think about stress? Would you make any changes to the system as it is right now? I kind of like it. I mean, the wound system was a tiny bit confusing. Uh, yeah. Because you're lightly wounded. You took this one thing. You're at the mid range. Do you get two mid range wounds or how does that work? You know what I mean? Well, it's on the character sheet. There is yeah, a yeah. line. So, I mean, yeah. there is. I'm just saying, like, there was, it it's was two of the up. first two levels and one of the third. Sorry. Yeah. But, um, so there was, there was that and it was, we still managed to navigate that pretty pretty, yeah. pretty decently. But yeah. the stress was the important part, and we were banking our stress and gambling it off because all those flashbacks and assists. Yeah. yeah. And we had to like sit there and debate for a second. I'm up to this much stress. I might be able to assist. Well, look over at somebody else's character sheet. You've got three, and I'm at six. Maybe you should help. I don't know how I'd help. Just fucking do something. Yeah. <laughs> so you feel like that was fun, being able to like, having this group effort to manage the stress? Oh, it was wonderful, Absolutely. Actually. So, and that I think that actually really helped with the cooperative the, the cooperative attitude where mm-hmm. we were supposed – a lot of us, again, would kind of punish ourselves to the point of detriment, but then we have to back off and go like, hey, shoot, like who can actually trade this before somebody finally takes a yeah. um, trauma. Oh, trauma, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And it took a while. Um, and, of course, I really enjoy the uh, de-stressing after <laughs> right, I, yeah. because I yeah. – because I love the idea of like it's like you know like like booze and horror is like I clearly have not boozed or whored enough. Yeah, yeah. I need more. So or, more, yeah. Getting more uh, uh, role playing in terms of and like, also and I but yeah. and I love that it's not just okay. You're uh, you you roll well on that roll. Like all right, I've lost no like. I love that you can overindulge. Yeah. 
But I think another thing, it kind of, again, it kind of forced people to work to get a little, a little bit more. So as Aaron mm-hmm. touched upon, there's this tendency in many games in RPPR for somebody to just grab the idiot ball and run the fuck off. <laughs> uh, we've all done it. I don't want to, don't, don't even, yeah, we've all done it several times. I'm not all saying anything. Us, I'm not saying anything. All of us. So um, this game actually kind of, green. That, that actually, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> Outside of that, a shit ton more. Anyhow, <laughs> on again, all of us. Mm-hmm. So uh, the funny part, though, is that this happened a lot less as a result because mm-hmm. you had to use that stress for specific things. There was a little bit of that, but not, not a big deal. So you it feel like th- the the point levels of it, like, I mean, so the general principle seemed everywhere's in agreement you like it, but you feel like the point levels and everything are fine? Yeah, no, actually. And again, it, it came to that whole uh, economic and economics of, the, of, of stress. Mm-hmm. And made us sit down and consider and discuss can i afford this who can afford this we have to make sure it happens so every now and again you get a player who's like well i haven't been injured so far i'll hide behind the group uh <laughs> that shit doesn't happen anymore yeah. yeah or and also there's the benefit of keeping um that's like keeping the ben- the bonuses from your good rolls together because those I forget what the sorry the dice names what the ones the gambits are, the gambit dice thank yeah, you yeah. because they uh, the game obviously gives you a couple other options where they're the gambit dice which you get if you roll extremely well on if you get risky a success maneuvers. on a risky risky maneuver uh, so, and yeah. uh, s- certain playbooks will get yeah. bonuses on mm-hmm. and uh, it, it was it was always a discussion a group choice mm-hmm. and uh, you know like hey I might need some of these yeah okay cool go ahead or we might need those for the next part of the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is this abs- is this particular point really that important to you or to the group? So yeah, we and granted, I could see you know other groups maybe you know just hoarding or stealing from it, but the game honestly seems like it's going to punish you later on for that if you really are not watching out. Yeah, and if you screw over your group members, gee, they're not going to fucking help you out. Are exactly, they? it's going to yeah. be well for Firefly. It uh, Firefly references that's going to be your Jane moment of oh, I'm in the airlock. What the hell? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think what yeah the thing is, um, what I appreciated as a GM was that you could mostly reset stuff after jobs, uh, but it, there's there's accumulation over time, uh, certainly because not just with stress, uh, but also with heat in wanted levels mm-hmm. that was building up <laughs> absolutely uh, constantly 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 building weirdly up. enough, uh, <laughs> like you guys are criminals doing criminal things. And uh, I like that it, th- there's this kind of accumulation as you, you're building up more and more. You gain more experience, you gain more uh, resources. But like one thing, your character's stashes are very small. Um, mm-hmm. So you're still like very fragile. <laughs> you like, if you're going to retire, it's going to suck. Uh, yeah. So you, uh, you're, you're still, you still have a long ways to go in your career yeah. as a criminal. But um, you're, yeah, it, it's all, it's having an impact. And it's not all like it, it, it's, I find it a lot more interesting than the D and D model is like your character progression is uniformly in positive. Yeah. Um, um, it was and, kind of, fun- oh, sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, it was kind of funny that the heat level thing did lead to a group discussion of, okay, we're in this system. How pissed are they? Can we afford to go loud here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I think the game is meant to do. Yeah. Like, it was great. Uh, uh, like, can, can we afford to bust out, you know, full armament on the ship and blow up, blow something up? Can we use no. the big gun? Yeah. That, no. yeah. Yeah. Everything here is just like, all right, we really need to wheel and deal. Who haven't we pissed off? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and I, I, I really do like that. Yeah. And um, because, yeah, it's, it's again, like I'm just now thinking about D&D. It's like your character just gets better. 
over time. Yeah. And there's no long-term impact of all those near death uh, injuries. Uh, oh, I'm down two hit points. Boom. I'm fully healed. That's not going to have long-term impact. Um, I killed 500 orcs in this valley. That's not going to have a long-term impact. Like, like, the rest of the orc species will now look upon me as their boogeyman. I'm, yeah. Well, no. In D&D, there's no mechanics for well, that. Well, when you think about it, it kind of reflects a uh, shift from uh, in, in, in subgenre for uh, sci-fi being clean, episodic versus, you know, you always see the term a lived-in universe. Yeah. Like for Alien and Star Wars, mm-hmm. both have that feel. Sure. Uh, it's a lived-in game. Yeah. You, you All that shit builds up. People get pissed off. There's a bunch of baggage somewhere. Somebody you might have remotely pissed off early on that you decide to keep fucking with eventually gets a little bit angry with you. Yeah. Yeah. No oh. kidding. Uh, I, yeah. And we'll, we'll, I, I definitely do want to talk about Patsy chef, uh, and the setting. Um, but I do want to get through a little more of the mechanics first. Um, yeah, sorry. Because, uh, well, no, no, no. I mean, that was a really good point. Um, I do definitely want to talk about like, uh, flashbacks too. Yes. Um, I know you guys, you seem to, I mean, there was a bit of a learning curve with them. And I feel like that's one of the, the like this, this game is not certain RPGs are harder to learn than others. And some, once you get a, once you figure out one thing, they're a lot easier. Like the one roll engine, I feel is, like once you figure out that the actual one rolling and matching width and height and all that shit, like, it's just, Oh, that this is easy. Mm-hmm. But like, um, this game, I feel it's a little, it seems simple at first, but there, there's some tricks to it in like figuring out how to use flashbacks properly, both as the GM and as the player feels like a little, cause that's the, the flashbacks are the core of how jobs work. Yeah. Right. Um, I like, and I like that part. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, what are you, any thoughts on, would you change any of the flashback mechanics? I would say, I and I'd like to, I like to think the flashback part, we got relatively quickly, at least some, yeah. some, some faster than others. And, uh, I mean, it, it's a pretty straightforward mechanic once you get your mind into the actual set of it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And also, you never when we were playing, you never just let us use it as the magic. Uh, it's like press magic button, everything goes back because I was always here or the, well, the, the Bill and Ted. That's like bogus journey thing. I have this gun right here. No matter. It was far more the ocean style of like, hey, we were we were kind of hiding in here. This thing kind of because you can still screw that up royally in the flashbacks, right? And that's like, and it doesn't give you the exact result that you might want. So, mm-hmm. but so, and then you have to make you know another plan going forward with it as well. So I think it's a good way to try to save yourself, but also for the GM to reap some uh, benefit uh, narratively if something goes wrong or another. Um, another loop on the, the story. Tom, mm-hmm. did you have something about no, that? Okay. Pretty much that's pretty uh, much covered what I was thinking. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, I feel like the if anything, we as players, you guys should even be more um aggressive with flashbacks, uh, in structuring them and framing them. Um, because I feel like the thing about flashbacks, at least the way I'm running them right now, is it's never a guarantee that you'll succeed or something. It's that basically the f- Flashback to me is a framing device to explain why you get to roll dice to solve this new challenge. Um, like there's guys with guns in the door. Well, I planted a claymore mine and it's pointed at their heads. Okay. Well, you have to roll to see if your trap goes off. Uh, so it is a bit, a bit non-trad, but I mean, part of the issue is you don't want to push things so far that the GM's bullshit alarm goes off. So, well, I mean, I mean, the thing is though, like, one thing, uh, uh, that's a very good point. Um, but I, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, at least in the games that we've run, where that would happen. Because again, I would never say that because of the flashback, you succeed. It's 
Yeah. At best, you get a, a chance to roll dice to solve it. Well, I mean, it's like kind of when you have an abstract power, and, and, and there are systems that do accommodate that well, but yeah. you get that player who picks their highest rated ability, and they just go, oh, wait, I'm going to make this apply to everything. Of course this power works. <laughs> I dodge the water with my power. We're swim. not talking about Exalted. Uh, I know, but it... it, it <laughs> or but pleading. Can, yeah. But yeah, I'm just saying, there, there are certain levels, like, where players will do that, and even the best players will, yeah. can, will try it sometimes. So. But I mean, I can't, I can't think of a way because, like, yeah, you're like, oh, I'm really good at this thing. I'm going to try and solve every everything is now a nail for, the, for right. this hammer. Um, and you, you know, to the point of ignoring the rest of the character sheet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it, I mean, again, we're also skeptical to it, but at the same time. Well, so the easiest thing would be like combat. So like Tom's muscle character. So like the thing is though, um, there are limit because the flashback also can't contradict what's already happened. So like, uh, Oh, there's a customs guy who's inspecting you and he detects your cargo flashback. I actually, uh, uh, beat the shit out of him this morning when he was getting his morning newspapers. Like, no, he's already <laughs> there. You can't have mugged him, uh, bef- and, you know, broken his face before that happened. Or so just, like, you know, or just threaten him. Like, like, remember I dressed as the milkman this morning, like, like milkman here, like, What's a milkman like? Actually, this is hydrofluoric acid. And yeah. if you don't let us through, I will throw this in your well, face. A simple version would have just been, I did beat the crap out of him, but he didn't know I was on this ship. Well, um, no, but you can't you can't beat the crap out of him because oh, I, I already said he's there. I oh, know he's there. Yeah, yeah. He's got like a black eye, mm-hmm. and that's when you show up on the view screen and kind of stare him down. Okay, um, something yeah. like that might be a little more plausible. Actually, no. The way to if you want to do that, so instead of a fighting check, it's an intimidate check, yeah. which mm-hmm. in the game is command, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. It would be, oh, well, I show him a picture of his favorite sports hover car that he he bought with bribe money. And I say, it'd be a real shame if something happened to that. And so, like, that would be pretty, that would be, that would be like a two stress flashback, at least for Mm -hmm. me, to to -hmm. say you've already had that. But, like, that would definitely be allowable. And then you still have to roll command to actually succeed. Because otherwise, like, nope, (laughs) I don't believe you. Um, So, I, yeah, so if everything if you're going to try and intimidate everything, then like uh <laughs> just say that that's yeah, one yeah. option. Yeah. Uh, so it's just a matter of framing it and thinking it out. And I feel like um probably one of the problems with this system for me at least is like everyone tries to get oh, hurry up and roll the dice and solve it. And like we there is this kind of thing we try and hurry up a little bit uh certainly if we're doing like two jobs in one night or something like that. Uh and we don't like think about how to frame flashbacks or figure a better way to frame the challenges. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I can see that. Well, absolutely, especially when you kind of talk about the yeah, the two job nights where it by the end of it we're going like what can we blow up? Yeah. Where have we already planted the charges at? So or in our case like hey, what have we aimed our giant overpowered doom cannon at? Basically. Yeah. <laughs> um I won't say Jason because I did that too. Well, I mean, that was Jason's pick. He really wanted that. Yeah. Oh, no, I was with him 100% on that. Yeah. So. Or who can we piss off now? Um, <laughs> well, we've, we're never, we've never run out of people to piss off. Yeah. That's, that's always, that always is. Yeah, no, as, as you are building up heat and wanted levels, and you can't get rid of all of them uh, because yeah. that take, you can, you can try to do that, but like everyone is like, no, I want to train. I want to do this. I want to do this. <laughs> Fuck you. I, want, I need to de stress. I've worked on it a couple times. I know. You have. You have. <laughs> Um, Tom, any thoughts on the Xenos? Uh, I think it, I think that it works just fine because it's. 
I think it's like Star Wars. It's, it reminds me of Star Wars. Like, like what alien do you want to play? Like, I don't have enough breadcrumbs to get home here. There's <laughs> like, there's literally, I think at this point, even their new movies, they, they, they don't want to go to the ones they've already made. They just want yeah. to keep making new ones. Sure. So eventually if it's supposed to be like a densely populated galaxy with lots of different races, eventually a species list is just not going to work. Okay. And I, I think the system completely works. It's like, what alien do you want to play? Like this one. All right. That's what you can do when you spend your stress with your Xeno mm-hmm. powers. That's it. Yeah. All right. And I think, um, yeah, I think the system is perfectly elegant and mm-hmm. simple. It does the, does a job. I had no trouble playing uh, my dude like that. Mm-hmm. Technically speaking, out of the five-person crew, two were humans. Yeah. Uh, was one, person had, one person one. had human rules, but was yeah. technically a Xeno. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, I, like, I also like it. You can even be a Xeno that doesn't have any special abilities mm-hmm. and not give up, not give up your uh, ability for, to be a Xeno. Yeah, I think that's what Renee chose to do. Yeah. It's like, uh, you, yeah, you, yeah well. you, you can be an alien that just doesn't have any special mm-hmm. abilities. Yeah. Outside of the way. So, and yeah, yeah. or even that. Yeah. That oh yeah. Um, why don't we, um, we'll, we'll talk about that. In a second. That's what, that's a signing yeah. thing. Um, I do also, uh, bef- last mechanic I want to really talk about is uh, loadouts. Cause I know you want to talk about that. Yes. Aaron. No, I actually, that was something that I really loved because uh, not that I've had a lot of problem with it, but considering uh, I, this is something I'll bring Eclipse Phase back into, that when you're going into different missions or different uh, settings, it kind of felt confining that you, uh, if we're on a campaign, like for No Evil, it we're always looking back into the book to see like, all right, which pistol can we carry? What can we fab during this one? And it, it could be fun, but also time consuming. Whereas uh, Tom and Villainy has actually done a really elegant thing by basically giving you each of your characters, a specific uh, set of items that you can take in specialized and general. And you can choose whether it's just going to be a light. If you're doing an infiltration medium, if you're kind of on the general operator or heavy of, Hey, we need grenades mm-hmm. during that. That time and I love I love the simple specifications from here. Like uh, within our game, um, I don't know how many times the uh, being able to choose the fine hacking tools was able really came in handy, especially when I when I needed something. Saying like, hey, this gives me literally two more dice to roll, and I suck at this. So uh, on the other hand, I always had a very nice jacket. <laughs> yes, you did have a very nice jacket. <laughs> you did use that a lot. Um, they were all different jackets, okay? I mean, uh, but there was not that one. <laughs> no, that, that uh, it was an excellent point. I mean, it's kind of the the like, yeah. A close phase first came out in two thousand nine, and that's sort of the traditional D anD D kind of version of RPGs, where like have a gear list and here are all their specific stats, and here's what they can specifically do. And this is you know a game made in twenty eighteen, uh, where it's like this is a gun. It does gun things. Yep. Coat does social things. Yep. And that's it. Like it's literally one line on your sheet and mm-hmm. uh, it's all through con- It's whatever the GM says it can do. Yeah. So, um, in the- so I think yeah. they're like at three levels of uh, you have a thing that lets you do a thing. Mm-hmm. You have a thing that gives you a bonus at a thing and you have a nice thing that gives you a better bonus at that thing. Exactly. So one of the, Basic equipments that doesn't give a bonus that's listed on, I think, every character sheet is illicit substance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just to give you a feel for the game. I mean, and we did use that. Yeah. Multiple times, I think. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't say what kind of illicit it's substance. It's like, would you like your cyber cocaine? Do you want to plant it on somebody to frame them? Do you want to get a, uh, yeah, chemical do you, boost? Do you, do you want, want to give somebody a hot shot? Yeah. Are, you sl- <laughs> are you sleepy? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want to poison the, the guard monsters, uh, food. So yeah. it, just right now. Hey, can I hot box with that guy? So he's distracted. <laughs> I make him take the space acid. <laughs> yep. I want to, I want to give him the drugs that affect robots. Uh, the nano algorithm drugs. Anyways. Uh, it's like, Oh God. So a drug that comes on a disc. Yeah. I mean, that's it. That actually is an eclipse phase. Hey, um, hey, hey, you want, you want a USB? <laughs> I got them. I even got floppies. <laughs> so I, I guess you have to bring... At least you, you didn't say dongle. Okay. Uh, oh. You have to bring in the you gangster robot. That. You'd want to bring the gangster robot from Futurama for yeah. that, right? Oh, yeah. He's like, hey, man, uh, he's like, you want a USB? It's good shit. The clamps. Um, yeah, the one thing I will... Uh, one sort of criticism of the system, though, is that they have this whole thing about tiers, which is for the GMs, and there are different tiers of organizations, and they say, oh, even if you have f- fine hacking tools, that's counterbalanced by a higher tier uh, thing, and it, it's still kind of vague, and still left a uh, hand-wavy left to the GMs, and it's just kind of like, uh... You know, I, I kind of, and there's also this whole thing about scaling, uh, and, uh, effect in terms of, um, like the, the rule, the, the, the example they give in the book is like your hand blaster, no matter how well you roll, can't blow up a capital ship. Yeah. And that's all right. Fair. But <laughs> okay. like, it's, it's kind of like, mm, okay. It kind of gets a little nitpicky again for me. Like, okay, you have fine hacking tools, but you're tier one and he's tier two and he has this other event. And it's like, uh, what? How many? Wait. Is it a bonus or a penalty? So, Ross, yeah. so you're saying you don't want a situation like that Star Wars game we played uh, where we were yeah. running from a Star Destroyer? And yeah. Okay, okay. We know we have one turn before we get to hyperspace. Can we all just take a shot at the Star Destroyer? Oh, yeah. And I think it was Matt who was like, all right, fine. And we were like, crit, crit, yeah. crit, crit. <laughs> yeah. And when he well, finally, when he totaled up, it took like 20 minutes when he finally totaled up all the damage. Like, you've inflicted more structure damage than the Star Destroyer has. <laughs> yeah. And he said, and they sort of think he, at that point, he said, no, I'm not allowing this to happen, but it's reduced to one and it's dead in space. Yeah. And that, uh, which yeah, yeah. followed by, like, okay, when Darth Vader would ask, why did you let them go? Like, he looked. Okay, actually, you guys are fine. That's, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to understand it. Well, yeah. I mean, one of, yeah. as kind of one of the problems where, when you're designing a game, I guess, that you're trying to quantify an abstract. Yeah. And uh, that, that comes with its own problems. Even fate has that issue. I mean, yeah. well, no, it, yeah, fate has its own issues, but um, that's, that's, I feel like for me, one of the weakest areas in the game is that whole scaling tiers and effect thing. So you feel like ca- you're making small change or something. Well, it's just it. like figuring out what the actual modifier for the player would be like, is this tier modifying this, his fine tool, his, his bonus from this and this. And like, there's just, yeah. So it's leaving up to you more to really set that standard. It's versus- just kind of nebulous how, okay. how it's written in the I mean, game. And so I guess I'm like, the thing is, you guys, the way the rules are written is you're tier one. So basically almost all the organizations in the, all the factions in the game are above tier one, like two thirds of them are. And so they all be getting, you be at disadvantages basically facing two thirds of the game. So like, uh, I felt like, eh, with- uh, I mean, I think it's okay to do sparingly if you say, okay, look, you're this computer, it's, this is actually a true AI. You can't hack it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but I mean, like, it's just, yeah, I don't know. You you should look at it. Uh, uh, did, if they're finding like a lot of the stuff they had built into Blades in the Dark, there should have been a way to kind of up your tier level by boosting uh, a lot of your background stuff, your organization, which yeah, you can do those your spaceship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Which should boost you in tier. But that but, takes that takes time and that's yeah. a campaign thing. So. Well, and in yeah. another question, because you mentioned Fate too, would this be similar to like when we're talking about the super abilities for base raiders mm-hmm. where you have, you know, the, the basic, the superhuman extraordinary yeah, yeah. and... Yeah, uh, these go. are the yeah. It's literally tears. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so it's definitely that, but it's less, it's more nebby. It's not quite as co- like in base Raiders in that version of fate, it's very concrete and okay. exactly how that works out. But that, that game is very crunchy in that superpowers way. This, this is, this is, this is a little different and it's totally on the GM end. You guys don't see it at all because you're players. So it's like, yeah, it's kind of G hashtag GM problem. So, um, <laughs> yeah, actually almost kind of feels like it's something that could be follow me on this it, on some level. I don't know if it's designed this way. It could be used to justify yeah, I don't want you to be able to do this. Yeah. It sounds like horseshit. It's exactly that. And then the GM just goes, well, technically speaking. They're tier four. And so you get negative three dice to your roll. So you're yeah. down to zero. So you can't even try. Yeah. And yeah. it feels like it's a, it's a, it's something in the toolbox. Yeah. yeah. Really, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I feel like that could be simplified and a little clarified instead of having tiers. just saying like, if it's really hard, do this. If it's not, it's this. And then, you know, yeah. or make the tiers more uh, narrative instead of like quantitative in terms of yeah. uh, their game effects. Anyways, but, uh, I would say, minor problem. Yeah, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with occasionally having, okay, this thing you can't beat. Yeah. Well, yeah, every, every game should have that. It's like, we take over the planet. We're just going to shoot every guard on this planet. <laughs> no, but I'm really good at fighting. And I rolled two sixes. I rolled critical. I, I win the planet. I no. have the Let's be ricochet. Yeah. Why did I put in a conquer planet skill? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, there's no con- conquer planet what, rating. Ricochet? What, why is this planet made of all reflective skyscrapers? I, we have a big gun. I fired it. All the enemies are dead. <laughs> you watched Gundam. That's how oh, it works. It's, <laughs> it's not a Gundam game, though. Um, <laughs> Damn it. So, yeah, let's talk about the setting uh, yeah. a little bit. So, uh, there is... A built-in setting to this, um, where you're on the frontier, the outer rim, uh, bouncing between four solar systems. Uh, there, instead of the empire, there's the hegemon. Uh, 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 well, that's the the name of their emperor, the uh, hegemony, hegemony, uh, hegemony. Uh, bleh, uh, that is the empire equivalent. Um, it's there's a, there's several factions. If you read up the faction descriptions, you can see about there's this Game of Thrones style political intrigue between various noble families and guilds there's a cloner guild there's a spacer guild there's all these but that's over there well i mean these are the these are the uh factions you can take jobs from or take against um so there's also uh, like the uh various esoteric orders cults there's a lot of cults yeah um there's also the way which is the force uh it's not the force it's totally different totally different it's it's a ancient mystical path tom not something made up by some dude who is trying to do a Buck Rogers uh, knockoff. I mean, no, that'd be the Schwartz. <laughs> the Schwartz in this case. So I don't know. I'm just saying. Or the farce. Uh, uh, but yeah. yeah. Uh, when you tune to the way, you open your mind to the galactic energies underlying all of existence. Quade, um, technically, robots can do it in this one. So that's that's the thing. So your robot could take points in uh, way. In okay, I was actually curious because I, I I didn't realize that that was a possibility. So hello points. Hello yeah. psychic. Robot. Well, because they also <laughs> do have a lot of way powered artifacts from an ancient civilization the precursors that are dead but they left all the <laughs> kinds of cool deus ex machina MacGuffins behind um you know plot devices and shit so which does happen in the campaign yeah it does happen quite a bit i am, <laughs> no, no, I am fond it. of that trip. i'm not com- knocking it. it was fun yeah. actually uh, i love coming glowing hey look what i found for my expansion slot yeah um so basically yeah we have we have that so i don't know what what are your thoughts on this on the setting overall um Again, we kind of we kind of briefly touched on it a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that they're kind of you know ca- doing callbacks. It kind of keeps it a little bit light. But then again, people might have their expectations based on their experiences with what is being uh, given a shout out, what is get, get, getting homage, mm-hmm. and they'll carry that baggage with them into the game. 
and not everybody has the same connection. So yeah, the assumptions are going to be different. Like I typically don't see Firefly as purely heroic. I see a lot of well, villainy flawed actually. characters. Yeah. yeah, and which the flawed yeah. characters are great. That's that's what makes it interesting. But like spoilers for a show that's been off the air for a long ass time. <laughs> um, you know, it's like yes, and they're heroic. They're doing the right thing. Dude, at one point during a hostage negotiation, a guy just walks in and straight up murks a motherfucker. I mean, that's not how, how you'd usually heroically do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, yeah. that's one of the things I saw baked into the game. And Yeah, is this is this like a light Star Wars solo kind of, ah, or is this going to be like grim dark uh fighting helping the 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 true heir to the the uh uh hegemony uh back on the throne and well, killing actually, everyone in well, their way that's great but we have or are you to, gonna be rebels fighting against the well, evil well, that, uh, those that's are options, options though, that's those are options but dude we got bills to pay right yeah. um sorry Aaron. uh no and you're right just kind of it's finding a way to kind of blend all of those together like the person yeah the person who was obviously coming in from the firefly aspect the one who's coming in from the dune where the one who's coming from the expanse with you know the three different systems yeah. that are fighting the four different systems that are possibly fighting each other uh obviously the star wars references on there so i i, I actually do like this though because yeah, is this like a tomb raider thing where you just like, oh we're gonna find artifacts and figure them out see, or a doctor who even kind and, of thing. and i i do see it yeah now ultimately it may come up as a weakness of the story as compared to something like Blades in the Dark that had far more of a, a, a concrete setting in its originality. But at the same time, though, I feel that this that may be more of a feature than a bug because when you're going into it, you're right. Everybody's going to have those expectations. It's just how you blend them in a way. So yeah, yeah. And like, as long as the player, everyone at the table has the same exactly. Yeah. But that that is a danger yeah. if they don't. And like for example, one thing I brought to the table with. How I was approaching it was I actually was trying to bleed in some Cowboy Bebop. Oh, yeah. Cause There's I was, definitely a bit of Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, because I was playing a definitely a sleazy, scummy character who's mm-hmm. going to do some things for himself but still feels obligated to the group. Yeah, I feel um, – I mean, just as an overall thing, just speaking as an RPG yeah. designer, um, I mean, if you, look, <laughs> if, you look, if you look at the loadout mechanic, um, it's for me, I can see the, 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 the evolution of this mechanic coming from like the preparedness mechanic from Gumshoe slash Trail Cthulhu slash – uh, Knights, Black Agent, etc., where you just spin points to say you have an item, and then like they've they've streamlined it and improved it, and I feel like there's this now RPG designers are trying to make games that emulate the kind of fiction you see in like especially hour long TV shows on cable networks like The Expanse or or streaming shows like Netflix, like Altered Carbon, and like have that love like. The care it's all about the 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 characters and the story, and not about like figuring out specific tactical or war gaming kind of uh, game mechanics. Yeah. You know, the the system mastery is is trying to emulate like how well can you narrate this type of story? Well, I'm as, even of, as a player, because you like I flashback. Here's this is how this is going to work. On a personal level, I fully approve of this mechanic because that was mm-hmm. one of my problems with a lot of the early games. You know, yeah. Was it was I, I was never a huge fan of the crunch, mm-hmm. uh, and it was always when you're talking to somebody who's just starting off, they're like, "I don't know what to do." Everybody seems to know the system so well. Yeah, don't think of don't don't think about that. Think about the kind of story stories you like to read or watch or hear or hear, and then emulate that. Mm-hmm. Try and do, try and recreate some elements of that story or how you do it differently. Maybe so. Is that only someone? 
this is the kind of game for people who are really involved and like knowledgeable about that genre, at least in terms of like being able to evoke it. So like you don't necessarily have to watch all the shows, but you, you have to know the kind of story beats mm-hmm. um, or kind of appreciate them, especially since this is based on like heists and yeah. uh, uh, scum and villainy. So yeah. Um, if you like crap movies and you like places that you know, like movies with kind of a dirty feel to them. Yeah. yeah it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. But if you're not the kind of person who, who can, think think quickly on your feet or if your group isn't um this this may kind of seem sort of bullshitty uh because players are like yeah yeah i i planted the gun on him flashback uh so the cops search him and he's he's the one who's going to get arrested uh that kind of thing so kind of the difference between a uh a well thought out retort and a hand wave yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah um so uh they're they're yeah it's it's fun like and it's fun to run but like I really do want to see when we pick it up again, um, if we can get like more of an ongoing story, um, at least in some way, because like there's, there is this idea that I feel if you did a lot of this without sort of like moving towards some kind of goal, it would get kind of samey. It's like, Oh, we're doing another job. Okay. You know, uh, as this without spoiling, spoiling anything, I think we brought a couple of elements back towards the last few episodes Mm -hmm. and we did pick up something kind of permanently that could lead us down a path that matches since we were going to go for the weird stuff in the universe, yeah. we did kind of pick up something that's important for that. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I, I think we are. Yeah. We, I think for us, it took us a few sessions to get, kind of get our foot and figure it out, footing and get it figured out. And now we are moving that way, but I'm, I, I would just warn people if you're, if you're planning to run a campaign of this kind of figure out what direction you want to go. You don't definitely, you don't need to plot out everything in advance, but like, Try and like foresh- start foreshad- foreshadowing stuff you want to hit on. Like, oh, here's the rightful heir of the empire. Uh, 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 you know the right the, the person who should be hegemon. Uh, let's. Um, but they're they're being taken away. Oh well, ten sessions. Oh, you have to rescue this person. You know, or like, like oh god, they're forcing me to do the right thing. Yep. No, having yeah. actual, what is the right thing? Having an actual set end uh, game, I think is probably good for any campaign to be honest mm-hmm. i know people like yeah. doing that long hey. meander but six packs yeah. goal is to retire with enough money that he doesn't have to worry about ordering extra guac what 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 is uh do you know what his stash is right now yeah he has six in it right now six in it so the, that's still the bottom tier i know but he's you need think, at least 10 to not live in the gutter which i know is like but no <laughs> you, that, you that, that, that's why like yeah. sorry are you done with this job like uh no <laughs> no, no i'm still gonna keep out going and doing shit mm-hmm. Uh, good point. But I think uh, I have more in my stash than others do. Probably. Um, We've been spending it for important things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like for so, him, that's important. Like he likes walk. <laughs> I was saying like ponchos. Um, all right. So yeah, it's and a, jackets. It, it's a fun system. Uh, check out our games on, uh, RPPR or patreon.com slash RPPR. Um, and of course we, once we finish, uh, rain and Galaxy two, uh, then I have an unknown armies campaign ready to go. Uh, after that, then we'll, it'll get posted on the podcast. So keep an eye out. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, but when we come back, we will uh, first actually um, have a review of a game by Kyle uh, from Best Power Brigades. And Ooh. then uh, after that, we will have shout outs uh, and talk about Pack South 2019. And we're back, and we have a special segment uh, where Kyle uh, Cardi of BPP Games, um, best 
Pal Brigade, uh, I believe I got that right, you did. Uh, <laughs> is here to <laughs> review a uh, supplement for Torchbearer we got a review copy of. Uh, and what is this uh, called? So the supplement for Torchbearer is called Rising Tide. Uh, and it is by, and I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name, but I believe it's Oren Ashkenazi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is described as a dark seas expansion for torchbearer Mm -hmm. and right off the bat i mean when when you first asked if anyone wanted to review this and i was like oh yeah sure i'll do it um i believe i asked you if i was allowed to be like critical and you were like yeah be be as critical as you can be and uh be honest i mean like exactly like i'm not i'm not gonna try and break it down if i actually like it but i'm i'm gonna tell the truth and Mm -hmm. i gotta say I fucking love this supplement. Like, it's real good. Cool. Uh, well, tell us about it. So, um, like, I, I'm looking through it, and it, it kind of describes it's a steampunk, steampunk gothic horror aesthetic. Uh, and that's that's a little different from Torchbearer, which is more of the <laughs> D&D, but it's even <laughs> more depressing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... For those of you who might not be familiar with Torchbearer, here's just like a really quick rundown on it. Mm. It's sort of loosely based on Burning Wheel, which is the system that Mouse Guard uses. And it's a system that doesn't emphasize uh, combat as much as it does the dungeon crawl, where, you know, like D20 systems are all about like, this is designed to be a combat simulator. This game is designed to wear you into the ground just by the act of going through the dungeon and like overcoming the, the terrain hazards and traps and things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, So if I had to like compare it to a video game, I would say that Torchbearer is darkest dungeon, um, which is, it's just this like very like dark uh, resource management, heavy kind of uh, light combat abstraction system. And if that's Darkest Dungeon, Rising Tide is Sunless Sea, which is an exceptional uh, sort of steampunky, gothic horror kind of madness at sea uh, video game. So good. Um, cool. Yeah. No, I uh, I I have played Mouse Guard. I've not played Torchbearer, but I ha- I do have the book and I have read through it. Um, I really do like the idea of like the the status conditions, uh, how you can't solve this you can't cast the spell because your wizard's too hungry and angry um so <laughs> i like that idea uh, the the conditions interplay in torchbearer is really interesting because mm-hmm. like you you gain these things and if you're not properly equipped to deal with problems you start to gain these conditions and the interplay between them is like you can't get rid of certain conditions while you have other conditions and all of the conditions impose penalties or prevent certain actions from being taken. Like you said, it, it works really elegantly for a system that isn't just like, okay, I have 10 hit points out of a hundred hit points left. So like, how does that make me feel where this one's like, okay, this is what you are feeling. It's, it lends itself very well to role playing, despite being sort of such a gritty and granular kind of approach to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I was um, 
earlier in this episode, episode we were kind of talking about this in, in, in another system, scum and villainy, and like mm-hmm. characters build up traumas through uh, uh, suffering too much or going through too much stress. Um, and but compared to D and D, we're like, oh, I'm at three hit points. Boom! I'm fully healed. Okay, well, there's no long term effect, and I I was just fine either way, whether yeah. I had 100 hit points or three. It's uh, the classic. I've been stabbed by a long spear, but then the cleric cast cure wounds on me, and now mm-hmm. I'm fine. That ain't yeah. it in in Torchbearer. Yeah. Um, the other so, thing. I'm yeah. sorry. Do you have something? No, I was just I, I was like, so <laughs> I bet it's even worse than Rising Tide. Now there's uh, the ocean. Yeah. Sort of. It Rising Tide's actually super interesting and it mm-hmm. it lend it takes what I feel is an appropriate amount from Torchbearer before really making it its own. The mm-hmm. other super important thing to both of these games is the encumbrance system, which mm-hmm. I have fallen like head over heels in love with. It's it's so elegant and it's just the right amount of crunch for me. Um because they even mention it in in sort of both of the books where it's like in a lot of games encumbrance is just like an abstraction or completely ignored, or it's like Mm -hmm. way too, like way too gritty um, where the impose, like what's imposed for being over encumbered doesn't actually matter at all, or it matters way too much. But the way that they handle it in uh, Torchbearer and rising tide is really fresh. Like it's, it's all, lightly abstracted into like slots that you can wear your bags have slots of like what they can carry your body has slots for what you can wear certain uh things like if if you wear uh, plate armor you can't wear a backpack because it it's just not going to work the the encumbrance will be whack as hell so like mm-hmm. you you value how much loot you want to try and get with how much you want to try and protect yourself and that kind of ties into what distinguishes rising tide from torchbearer which is a game design philosophy that i'm a huge fan of and that is scale mm-hmm. where there is the uh in torchbearer things are basically just on the adventurer scale but in rising tide they call it the explorer scale which is for individuals and then there is the ship scale where how much stuff can you just jam pack onto your your like magic ish super science sailing vessel before you run out of space altogether and like do you want to use some of those slots to put weaponry do you want to use some of those slots to like reinforce your ship there's a lot of really good stuff going on with encumbrance and like actually making gear equipment matter without having it completely bog the game down Right. So there's the players, there's a lot of interesting resource management. That's not, uh, it sounds like it's not, uh, interesting, but without getting too bogged down in, you know, very tracking a lot of, uh, details. Um, or, I don't know. For yeah. sure. There's like, there's some details, but it's presented in such an easy way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, using like the backpack explanation that, that I went through in the, in the core book, your backpack has, I think it's six slots and you can put the stuff in whatever order you want. And it's like on the character sheet, you can, you can write it all down or just on a piece of scrap paper, however you want to do it. Mm-hmm. But it takes a different amount of actions to reach stuff that is, on a lower slot in the backpack. So once you fill it all the way up, all six slots, 
whatever's on the top slot is what you can access the most readily. And everything else after that takes longer amounts of time or is more difficult or, or does other things like that, um, which I think is a really neat way to, to quickly be like, okay, here's what's in my bag and here's what I have access to at any given time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the game's whole philosophy sort of does revol- revolve around that, that sort of abstraction of these very crunchy granular rules without them being like chewing on sand. Um, and, and loots just like the tip of that. It also comes down to um, like resource roles mm-hmm. on in Torchbearer where you just sort of have all of these very basic uh, resource roles to get like a long sword or some chain mail. Rising Tide deals almost exclusively on the ship scale where outfitting your individual explorer is substantially de-emphasized and like extra bullets or a long arm or something on the explorer scale you just get basically you don't need to make the rolls anymore and they just explain it several times in the book they say oh that was just a rounding error or you know pocket change because you're dealing with such massive mm-hmm. like valued items that you're salvaging from from like the dark waters of the world that it doesn't matter. You're going to get that stuff. So you'll be equipped on the Explorer scale, but because you're on a ship together, if you don't equip the ship, then mm-hmm. you're all dead. Okay. Wow. Interesting. I do like that. Um, it sounds almost kind of like it's doing a, like uh, this extended the crew as well. I guess the PCs are the leader of a larger ship or is it just like how are, you know, if there's four player characters, that's everyone on the boat. Or are there like rules for managing the uh, PC crew? There actually are rules for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it also depends heavily on like the size of ship that you're using. Mm -hmm. So like there are smaller ships that you can use that probably could feasibly be run by the just the player characters. But their limitations are like you won't be able to take as much cargo on and things Mm -hmm. like that. So once you start to like advance and go for bigger hauls and and you require more people. Um, You do need to start to deal with crews, which also ties into sort of resource roles. Mm -hmm. But interestingly enough, um, the conditions that we were talking about before, a lot of them apply on the ship scale now where there are specific conditions that are like the crew is starting to get mutinous. Everybody on board has run out of food and now they're all getting hungry and like the, the ship's hull is damaged and all of these things sort of play into if you have this crew, they are more useful and you can get rich quicker, but now you have to deal with all of these new problems but it's still in the same familiar framework of conditions. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what kind of, uh, uh, RPG set on the high seas can't have rules for me. I mean, would they have to have rules for mutiny? I mean, it wouldn't be a, <laughs> a, a, a sailing RPG without them. So this um, one definitely has them. Um, cool. and it is, it is one of the more interesting conditions because it res- it requires more than just one skill to resolve. Like you have mm-hmm. to first, deal with the primary rabble rouser, like whoever's behind it. 
mm-hmm. with a certain skill. I think it's like persuading. And mm-hmm. then the other one, you have to address sort of the crew as a whole with, I believe, oratory and mm-hmm. talk them down after you've sort of won the leader over. Uh, well, it sounds like the mechanics are have everything you need for this, like, um, high adventure sort of, you know, sailing, uh, age of exploration sort of game. But like, uh, we haven't really talked much about the setting. Now it says here in the sort of, uh, intro that it it's the same, similar setting to the sunless sea setting, uh, which is a, a video game, yep. um, from the fallen London setting for franchise, whatever you want to call it. Um, so it's kind of franchise. Well, I mean, they do multiple games. Like there, huh. there are multiple games in the same setting. There's a web game, Fall in London, Sunless Sea, which is on Steam. They just re- there's at least two others. Um, so yeah, they're doing a whole thing. Um, Good for them. Yeah, but there, there is this kind of yeah, 19th century steampunk sort of gothic uh, horror. Uh, uh, so what kind? What else kind of sets it apart for Rising Tide? Like, um, is it the <sighs> real world? Is it a fantasy world? It I mean, is. Yeah. This to me is probably one of the weaker aspects of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, lore wise, it's pretty bog standard. It's, mm-hmm. you know, the technologically advanced evil empire in the past got destroyed and now remnants of their technology are still kicking around and the empire were all dirty fascies and the culture that replaced them as a bunch of and caps who are just like super horny to exploit people in the name of free industry. Like it's, it's exactly what you would expect it to be when you hear grim, dark Victorian inspired aquatic fantasy colonialism. It's a thing. Uh, It sure is. But, um, is it set in, is it, is it set on like an alternate earth or is it like a totally different geography or is it kind of left to the GM? The the geography is isn't really dove into as far as I could tell. Like a lot of the the things they describe are very vague by design, in okay. my opinion. So like you might be from a small island, but there might be a whole bunch of different types of small islands and you sort of okay. make it up as you go. But like the general rule is no, it is not an alternate earth. It's mm-hmm. just this this fantasy world that sort of met this well, it could be on it, it sounds like it's vague enough you, you could set it in the real oh yeah you could adapt it however you want but, okay. but as far as the book goes from the best yeah. of my reading it is not the case um okay it's cool though like uh-huh. the setting works really well and what they include in it um like their justification for what they've replaced magic with is is pretty cool. There's a lot of like really neat stuff out in the open ocean that I could talk about. Like, what are you interested in learning about the setting, Ross? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, obviously uh, the geography, uh, who the 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 nations, and uh, obviously, uh, what kind of gamer would I be if I wasn't interested in the evil, the ancient evil uh, evil <laughs> empire that has been destroyed? Uh, with all those ancient artifacts, which I'm sure are malfunctioning, hidden somewhere, just waiting oh, yeah. to be discovered. So, um, so a lot of the ancient, I believe it's like the proper noun is the Island Empire, like capital I, capital E Empire, mm-hmm. um, and they. It, I like that they're vague, but I'm from the the RPG design school of like. 
you should have answers if you're designing something like mm-hmm. you should know what's going on. But this definitely falls into the the realm of like every single thing is vague and mysterious, which I'm not super down to clown on. Well, so we yeah. don't really get to see many okay. empire specific islands. Um, mm-hmm. The main feature of the empire is a lot of like they still have uh, these big powerful, super advanced ships with uh, soldiers that are still sort of roving the ocean. Mm-hmm. And and you get to interact with them like they have repeating rifles and things like that and like power armor and and things like that that sort of play into it. But there's no like, here's an example island. Even just like an example like structure would be super great because like even in the explanation of like how long ago did the empire fall apart, it's very vague beyond a while ago. Um, yeah, it sounds like they're kind of go- like usually with RPGs, they're either here is the setting or this game is a toolkit for you to create your own setting. And it seems like they're kind of trying to get the halfway point between. Them. So um, that is a fair. setting ish. You know, uh, a suggestion they gave, of a you, they gave you the skeleton and yeah. you're sort of free to fill okay. in the blanks as you need. Uh, like I could adapt this very easily to one of the aquatic, like piratical settings that we play in some of the games over mm-hmm. here on the East Coast very easily. Um, yeah, because it would fit in very well to those fantasy worlds. And I, I don't think I could definitively say that like i think that's a strength but in the same breath i don't think that's a weakness either because one thing that makes my eyes gloss over is reading your very long very (laughs) in-depth very rich tapestry of setting design because more often than not is is pretty boring this is enough for me but i can see that it wouldn't be enough for some people yeah, well, it's too, uh, big detailed settings are big buy-in, and so like mm-hmm. if you if you hook people with that idea of a setting, people are like, oh yeah, I'll do that. But like if not, yeah, it's just like uh, so like it, it yeah it is it is kind of the conundrum of an RPG. It's like <laughs> people want a setting, but they don't want it to spend forever to learn the setting. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, and that's why I think this one sticks pretty heavily to the mm-hmm. tropes, mm-hmm. evil tech. Um, a lot of the the magic is replaced by this thing called glow, mm-hmm. which I don't like doing direct comparisons, but it's basically ghost rock from Deadlands, if you're familiar with that. Yeah. Um, mm. Where exposure to glow, it has like this strange uh, radioactive signature, unlike, you know, horrible real world radiation. <laughs> uh, this is like the fun radiation that can like create power armor yeah exactly or like summon big giant clockwork kaiju crabs to Mm -hmm. scuttle boats um it's it's pretty it's pretty cool but it's it's the answer to to magic and by studying it you can like create formulas for certain quote-unquote spells or you can create schematics for like weird science devices Mm -hmm. cool so it's not yeah this so what is your overall opinion of the to me it sounds like it's a like if you want a nautical adventure in this kind of aesthetic uh this is the game for that um but my overall opinion because you cut out just a little bit so i want to make sure i got the right word um (laughs) 
<clears throat> my overall opinion is that I really like it. Um, there is a lot of interesting stuff that has been adapted from Torchbearer mm-hmm. onto this scale. I would love to run a one shot for it, and I fully plan to. Like some of the the ship design stuff is really simple, and it's gotten me very excited to do stuff like that. But I do have some issues when it comes to the feasibility of a print uh, version of this book mm-hmm. and and things like that. Like there's a lot of really neat stuff in like the actual adaptation of the crawl from Torchbearer into the voyage for Rising Tide. Um, mm-hmm. I would 100% recommend getting a PDF. But I looked into seeing if I could get a physical book um, and I couldn't find anything that would sort of list physical, which to me might actually be a good thing because from a graphic design and sort of art direction standpoint, um, there are definitely some issues with how it is formatted that would make me incredibly hesitant to buy a physical book. Mm. Specifically, all of the pages are left aligned. So the page number is always on the bottom right of the page. So even if I printed out a copy of this to like bind myself at like staples mm. or whatever, mm-hmm. a big chunk of uh, the, the right oh, yeah, facing they don't pages, yeah. exactly. They don't alternate. It gets <laughs> sucked right into the, into the gutter. gutter. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's fair. I mean, if they, um, I mean, this is the PDF that they sent us. I don't know if the print version, they, they, um, designed it differently. They I might have. I yeah. couldn't find even a listing for a print version, mm. but if they do listen to this, yeah, please alternate it because I <laughs> want to put this on my bookshelf. Yeah. I really, um, really like it. Uh, well, that's high praise indeed. Um, I don't give out praise very easily. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks, Kyle. Um, what is uh, What are Best Pal Brigade uh, games up to lately? Uh, so BPB Games is... We're currently wrapping up uh, Savage Tokusatsu, which mm-hmm. y'all were kind enough to to help us uh, rep when we ran the Kickstarter last year. Um, we're getting the last bits of art. We've updated it to the new edition of uh, Savage Worlds, which just hopefully finally finished its like primary re-revisions, which changed <laughs> almost everything in the kaiju and... Uh, Uh, what's the word vehicle section Mm -hmm. so we're trying to get savage tokusatsu put together we're looking to have that out uh march 2019 Mm -hmm. um currently uh i am working on uh as is cat another member of the group um we are working on the awakened kickstarter by metal weave games uh it's a book of uh cute little animal friends who have all through some way or another come under the effects of something similar to the awakened spell, which gives uh, an animal uh, sapience and they have become sort of adventurers who, who will join your party. So it's a bunch of cute little like bird alchemists and, and little calf bards that you can use in your, in your, uh, I believe fifth edition game is what I'm doing the primary uh, design for. And Kat is doing some writing on there. Um, the third thing we're about to start star streamers, uh, twitch.tv slash best pal brigade. And that is our science fantasy game of social media fame, where we are trying to incorporate chat, 
uh, interaction as a diagenic in-universe part of the game where the player characters are actually streamers who are <laughs> broadcasting their exploits um, and like viewers from the chat can be summoned into the game. Like we're accepting character oh, sheets from okay. viewers. Uh, they yep. get controlled by me, but the the creator sort of gives um, behaviors and preferred tactics for the characters they create. We've already gotten a couple submissions of that. Um, so if you want to get involved with that, you can check us out on Twitter at BPB games or on Twitch at twitch.tv slash best power brigade. Mm-hmm. Um, Facebook.com slash BPB games, patreon.com slash BPB games. We put out a lot of really good stuff. Um, and we've got a lot of really, really cool stuff lined up for 2019 that I'm super excited to, to announce, but legally I can't announce some of them yet. Ooh. Yeah, I know I'm a uh, fancy big boy. <laughs> well, stay tuned uh, and uh, uh, follow uh, follow uh, BPP Games on Twitter because uh, I'm sure you'll you'll shout it from there once it once you can talk about it. Oh, uh, oh, no doubt. You better believe <laughs> it. Like it's gonna blow your mind. I can't believe it's <laughs> happening. It's that wild. <laughs> Ooh, uh, I'm I'm curious now. Uh, well, cool. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for the review. Uh, and when we come back, we'll have shoutouts and anecdotes. All right, and we're back. I don't know what music we're gonna play, but it'll be something weird, something funk. Maybe of the future variety, <laughs> possibly. Young Bay has a new L- album coming out, so Lee. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we should talk about shoutouts and anecdotes in no particular order. So, um, first off, I want to mention, of course, give a big shout out to Chris Farmer, a uh, friend of the podcast, yep. who gave us a bunch of beer that we Hell reviewed yeah. on the next six, uh, and he also <laughs> brought his X Bone. Which, oh my god! Which is as beautiful, but I am I am infinitely sad that the plan that we had didn't work out. Yeah. So, well, there's the better luck next year. But we did get to play. Basically, the plan was he he gets the worst games he can find on the Xbox just, Indie Store. Yeah, just the, a bunch of shovelware so wait, that he magically finds so wait, every wait, year. We'll send him cheesy games. The worst we could find. There's an actual no, he, term. We don't, la, la, la. Yeah, yeah. we don't send them. He finds them for us. Yeah. There's so. an actual term for this in uh, Japanese called kusoke. Yeah. The games that are shoveled out specifically to be shitty. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we found there were uh, some doozies. We didn't get to, we didn't play as much as we, we didn't get through all of the titles, but no. that's just more for next time. Uh, but we did get um, oh, one probably there's one game in particular that we really loved. And Sean, you're going to love this game, too. Okay. Um, no. It's called Soda Drinker Pro. Uh, <laughs> and what do you think that's about, Sean? Let me guess. It's a button masher where you're trying to drink faster by mashing buttons. With wow. A- that's actually a much better game design you, than you, what we saw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, like, you like mash a certain like yeah. pace. And uh, yeah. if you go too fast. You end up like you choke, you choke, choke and you, die. Or you, or you vomit or something, or, yeah. uh, or head fr- or brain freeze. No, no, can't stop describing a much better game. Yeah, that's, um, this, yeah, that's a game with features. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Aaron, <laughs> please describe Soda Drink a Pro. <laughs> okay, I'm going to describe some of the things in the front because it actually gave us options that, as far as we could, t- I could tell, had absolutely no bearing on the goddamn game itself. So when you get into it, it just gives you a... First person view. Uh, well, I'm talking about the intro screen oh, first. Yeah, yeah. So it just said Soda Drinker Pro in a very cheap typeset. Um, I think it was just... God, it may have been like a neon 
some sort of neon color. I can't even remember that. And I went to the options. It gave you the options for the soda you drink, including oh, like yeah. the sugar level, the caffeine, ice that you were using, chunkiness was part of it. I did don't they, know why. Was it that only was... the soda, or was it your character? I mean, could you could you select nipple hue? I, I, it might as well have just been doing that. But but the thing is, you don't choose your character because when you enter the game, you are greeted by this unsettling box that looks like you're trapped. Do you remember the movie Room? Yeah. It's kind of like that, except imagine everything that Kit is imagining is just a horrible MS Paint hellscape of like a high school or a day at the beach or a funeral or a sizzler. It's not even good MS Paint. It's like no, bad. It's like really cheap shit. And, and the only, you don't see your character. All you see First is just, person. yeah, is yeah, you see this 12 gallon cup of soda that you have two controls for you press the right you press left trigger to bring it up to your mouth and the other one to drink and you can move around the stage to collect your soda drinker cups or whatever what god what did they say oh wow another soda that's what it was is this a minecraft hack no because you don't do anything you just collect this and and you you can walk you can walk around very slowly but you drink and we went through like twelve of a hundred fucking levels. Oh no, of this no! Thing. See, uh, they asked. They finally asked me, Tom. You're you're not playing. Uh, look up how many levels are in this game. I did. It just says a hundred plus. I feel like the VR version of this game might be better. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Unless you're just sitting here seeing if it will produce the lawnmower man. Anyway, it's Good. a great game. Game of the uh, <laughs> uh, game of the year 2018. Um, <laughs> no, really. no. So it's on Steam. No, don't. Oh no, no, don't do this to these people. So this is not what we're here for. Uh, I don't remember the name of it, but there was also another game we played uh, that was about being a little dude on uh, a. Sh- like an ant-sized dude on top of a Bitcoin mining rig, and you had to oh, shoot Bit- Bitcoin virus. runner. <laughs> Bitcoin runner, you had to shoot viruses. Uh, they were gonna hurt the Bitcoin rig, and you had to pick up bitcoins that just appeared on top of the rig. The, the, but if the you exact you same could get sound. knocked down into the cooling fans and, and die, die. <laughs> they missed an opportunity here. Yeah. Bitcoin rig? No, you call it the blockchain. What? I mean, <laughs> blockchain. So basher. Uh, that's always been a fun part of our pack south. See, uh, so I was actually yeah. uh, to bring the the you know the the epilogue to that particular story. I was actually didn't want to play that because I was afraid that it was going to load some malware onto Chris's Xbox that would st- force it to start running for Bitcoin. I may have. We don't know. Um, <laughs> we can either confirm or deny. If Chris's Xbox would blow, if its Xbone blows up at some point, we're, we'll, we'll give the report. If yep. you lose crypto in the game, you lose crypto in real life? <laughs> so nothing of value was lost. <laughs> To buy Bitcoin, man. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so we should probably talk about something good. Sean, you found something on Netflix that uh, would appeal. It was a thing we were kind of we were kind of looking looking forward to. Uh, Kingdom finally got released on Netflix. Uh, It's a South Korean drama series uh, based during the Joseon medieval period, um, shortly after the Japanese invasions. It looks like. Uh, Anyhow, it's a big court, you know, courtly drama. Following the adventures of the crown prince, who's I'm not going to spoil much with that, but it, it gets complicated with you know all the intrigue. Oh, and there's zombies. Yes, um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> the funny part is if you've done a lot with like you know Korean Korean uh, entertainment, especially where they get into like sort of the more esoteric shit, mm-hmm. the way they handle the zombie plague is really fascinating and fits a lot with internal alchemy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is really well done, and you know how like in zombie zombie. Uh, media they either info dump the rules right off the bat or mm-hmm. they 
wait till the very end. And here's the twist. Well, it gradually over each episode, they reveal something new. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really fascinating. So it just gradually reveals it's only six episodes so far, but it was already approved for a second season, Ooh. which is starting production. Mm, nice. I think in February. Ooh, neat. Uh, so yeah, I, I will, I've, I have that on my list. It looks really cool. Um, speaking of things that are on streaming series, Tom and I watched a great documentary. Yes, we did. Yeah. Uh, it, it is a uh, fire uh, fraud. Yeah, it's on Hulu. Uh, now, now there's two of these documentaries, yeah. but we watched the Hulu one. So yeah, and uh, Ross just mentioned the fire festival on the way to Pack South. Mm-hmm. Just kind of mentioned, hey, did you hear about this festival back in t- 2017? Like, oh, he told. You know, it was a kind of a truncated story. Like, oh yeah, that's a dumb idea doing a like do a festival at like that on an island, no planning. Then I watch it. I'm like, oh my god, there's so much fraud. Yeah. There's so much fraud. Yeah. Uh, the Fire Fraud Festival, the one on Hulu, um, is actually has the architect of this fraud, Billy McFarland. Uh, they interview him. And he looks like he was totally enjoying the interview. He just is. Like, just, just like a thousand yard stare. Cold blooded mm-hmm. sociopathic con artist. Uh, and people still liked him. He still had a, like a girlfriend when he went to prison. Spoiler alert. He's in prison right now for six years for wire fraud because he stole tens of millions of dollars from people. Good. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's 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 young. The thing so is, he's going to get is, out. He started, he started another business in prison. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. He actually no. He he kept, while he was out on bail, he started another fraud. Yeah. Uh, not <laughs> so a great to idea. Double down on he his is, decisions. Yeah. Right now, it's not a business that he's doing in prison. He's helping inmates learn how to do music production. So. so they can produce fraudulent money laundering schemes later I on think, when they're out. No, I think I don't, he, this wasn't money laundering. This was just flat out stealing. Well, yeah, yeah. The firefight, yeah. The, 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 well, I know that was, but I'm talking about what he's the, doing the, now. The thing in prison looks like a, a legit thing that he is doing to get on the parole board's good side. Well, I mean, when so, you're inside, you got to yeah. have a hustle, you know? But that's that's like at the very, that's kind of the epilogue. to The actual documentary is fascinating to see how he got, he got to be in a position where he could befriend Ja Rule. Uh, and then pay a bunch of social media influencers million, hundreds of thousands of dollars to promote Fire yeah. Festival. And there's a guy that was yeah. the whole time saying, don't go to this. Yeah. I've looked into it. It's a fraud. Like, and people kept giving money, kept saying, no, no, it's a fraud. There's nothing there. <laughs> this, yeah. this feels like a crit on your uh, scam check, you know. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, oh, yeah, so we had an idea for work. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. the obvious thing to do this in an RPG do a uh, fiasco. Well, it's a fiasco playset. So, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I kind of like the idea of getting a DCC modern set. Yeah, and then like because I keep he- 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 talking about the Classic Fallout. Show. Yeah, the Fallout Fallout for all the people. Yeah, that went. yeah. So thousands of people did show up, and they were basically abandoned on this island for a couple days in FEMA tents, essentially, uh, given like bad food and like little water and porta potties at best. And yeah, they, they it didn't turn. It was basically rich young person, Lord of the Flies. I mean, nobody <laughs> died. And then like, and then it was kind of like okay, like one band dropped out. Yeah, and, and then, then it just it was sort of rapidly spinning snowball where yeah, like no bands I think showed up. Yeah, yeah, it so, was it was totally rough. So these people are surviving. So it sounds like almost like a a, a funnel adventure. Mm-hmm. So if you get like modern set for Dungeon Crawl Classics, yeah, and you have your rando people like hey. I'm a minor YouTube personality. I review songs poorly. I'm uh, a nano influencer on Instagram. I, t- I tweet constantly. <laughs> and, also, and, I, and also, I still love, uh, I also love like the guy, people that try to get that flight out. Mm-hmm. 
Like we're first like, okay, there, we have a, we have 115 people on the, on the manifest and there's 116 on board. Yeah. We have to, we can't take off until we figure this out. Yeah. And then that takes, that took hours. And then they finally got that figured out. Like, okay, well the crew has been work has been on the uh, working for too long. So we have to bring another crew in. Yeah. Everyone so, off the plane. So in our scenario, a second plane comes and you have to determine who gets on and that's going to get ugly as hell. You probably can't get, can't even get all your all your own characters on. I do like the yeah, I do like this idea. That's something <laughs> you could easily write up with the DCC rules. Just create new uh, level 0 uh character class essentially, uh nano influence. And, and and the one character who wins Teeter. this all, the person who saw this bullshit turned around and went to Waterburger but, instead. Yeah, my god. But my god well, I mean, you once you get on the island, there's no Waterburger like I mean, no, that's when you see the airport. You, it's like who rolls enough good sense to say "fuck this." You say the the best character is the one who doesn't participate in the adventure. Exactly. Wait, are you saying the only way to win the game is not to play? Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's but, not fun. But yeah, but yeah, Ross is correct about that. The, yeah, he went on bail, and then like people noticing, there's he's selling tickets for like the Met Gala, which. They don't sell tickets to that. Yeah, you can't get them. Certainly for not 200 bucks. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, anyways, it's a fascinating documentary. I'm going to go watch the Netflix one at some point because uh, that's done with different people. So they interview other people who are involved with it and it has a different perspective. So, yeah. yeah. Or just um, like, like, did he ask you to go? Did, did he ask you to go rob customs? Like, I didn't. But. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, worth checking out. Um, Aaron, there was a show you wanted to write. Uh, yeah, it's a another uh, reviewer for online. Uh, her name uh, that name for that is pushing up roses. Uh, she actually was part of the uh, channel some collective before that completely dissolved, but was one of the ones who you know left when the shit hit the fan. Uh, but it was I, I found out it was amazing. She's been running for a while, but I never really saw a lot of what she was doing, which uh, is really in depth of reviews of a lot of the old 80s to 90s adventure games like your king quest uh fat uh like seventh guest uh 11th oh sorry seventh guest 11th hour uh faz faz tanagoria i cannot phantasmagoria thank you phantasmagoria phantasmagoria so a lot of real and and the fact that she kind of just picks a lot of the interesting aspects of the production for most of these games to things that you wouldn't even think about like uh, I can't remember right now for at least those, but ultimately it's interesting. Uh, but something that she's recently been doing is a dive into a lot of the older, um, that's like a media that started out for children's programming going off from the early Nickelodeon's 90s stuff, which of course is heavily valid with my childhood as well. But uh, one of the shows, but she does a lot of in-depth for the episodes and things that will happen in the series, uh, such as a cur- recent one, which was on the Adventures of Pete and Pete, which is a series I love dearly for just how bizarre it was during the time and not willing to kind of cave into any uh, it's like anybody trying to meddle with their own internal logic. And also found out something interesting from her is that for the Adventures of Pete and Pete, they had a lot of musical guest stars in just regular roles. Like Michael Stipes was on there as a creepy uh, ice cream vendor. Um, they had Iggy Pop as some per- some kid's dad. And apparently he just kind of wasn't even for only invited. When he just came coming back saying like, hey, you want me for other things? Because... He's Iggy Pop, so uh, no, I really recommend it. It's a lot of uh, fun to do observations. Cool. Also, she uh, she made it my favorite because she reviewed my, the greatest Christmas special of all, which is Muppet Family Christmas. Uh, yes, I yep. am biased. Yep, uh, I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> That's never come up. Um, 
Anyway, uh, yeah, it's cool. Um, I also want to give another shout out to Nefarious, yes. uh, which oh, is a yeah. uh, video game on Steam and also a webcomic about a super villain named Crow who is doing super villainous things, uh, kidnapping princesses. And, and he's the, to he's the, the protagonist. Does uh, he do scummy things as well? He, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, scummy and villainous. I would say kidnapping princesses is pretty yeah, scummy. So, yeah, yeah. That fits, that fits <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got minions and yeah, blows stuff up. I mean, it's, it's a whole thing. Uh, so if you like the Mega Man kind of aesthetic, uh, it's certainly, uh, an interesting setting and, uh, yeah, uh, check it out. Um, also a, a good video game I would like to mention, uh, or at least one that was, is good so far. One, we did play some games at PAX South. Uh, we didn't, I didn't wait in line for any of the big games cause eh, it just going to uh, happen. So. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I'm not waiting on a line. Uh, I'm not going to wait in line for an hour to play Resident Evil 2. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, there's, there's some shit you don't do. Well, yeah. I mean, there there are people who do that. A lot of people do. That's why you have to wait a lot, an hour to do it, because so many people wait. Um, but there was one game we walked around, and we just grabbed whatever games were available. Uh, we played Totally Reliable Delivery Service. <laughs> uh, me, Aaron, and Chris. And basically, it's a fumble core game. So if you played Gang Beasts. Yeah, it's um, very similar to that. It plays like that. Like you have a uh, left trigger grabs, grabs with your left arm, right trigger grabs with your right arm. You can jump and dive and stuff like that. And you're just fine packages and try to deliver them. But you can grab onto the, if you grab, if you use uh, your controls to grab one of the controls of a vehicle, you can pilot that vehicle. Uh, or you can just hang off to the side if somebody yeah, yeah. else is going forward. Yeah, it has some, at least local co-op where you can all team up or try and fight each other for who gets the package. Um, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. So uh, yeah, if you like gang beasts and that kind of thing, I, I hope it has online play. That would be great. That for would you. be a good one. So that yeah, that was a lot of ridiculous fun. Um, Tom, you had a game that you want to talk about? Uh, Nilo? Or? Yeah, let's uh, honestly like you know I go to Pack South for. Like two very specific reasons: that, classic that. arcade and the classic console room. Mm-hmm. But as I always walk through the main hall, like that oh, looks cool. Like I'm, I'm not going to wait two hours to play a demo of this, though. Yeah. But Nilo was like the one game that I like actually stopped and had to step back. Mm-hmm. Know, it's it looks like I mean it kind of looks like a uh, like it's like a it's kind of sci-fi third-person shooter. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's. Well, first of all, like what I look, I guess what uh, grabbed me is you're actually playing like an alien robot, okay, built by aliens, so you look like an alien, mm-hmm. and uh, it also like it you can, it like goes you can switch immediately from like an overhead an overhead view map where you're doing stuff to back to third person, and the graphics for like an, kind of an indie game look really freaking good. Cool. So it's something like that. Like oh, this. I actually want to know about this game. Like pretty much all the rest were like, "Oh, I'll jot that down, take a picture, check it out later." This is the yeah. one thing I actually stopped and watched for a bit. Oh yeah, did you actually get to play it? Oh no, no. That once again, like it was the wait was hours. Ah, and I'm like, yeah, nah. <laughs> pilot wings calls. Huh? <laughs> Didn't play pilot. I'll go over that later. But okay. I did not play pilot wings this oh, year. Okay, well, I had uh, other things I was. Oh, playing. sorry, I'm sorry. Mortal Kombat. Uh, Lots of that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so those are our shout-outs. Uh, but anyways, um, uh, well, actually, shout-out slash anecdote, uh, because um, Call of Cthulhu. Uh, Chaos- oh, we did. Yeah, we- Chaosium was there, yeah. uh, one of their designers. Uh, Jared uh, B., I can't remember his last name. Uh, sorry, you did run a good game, but sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, he did run a re- game. We did not record it because it was in a super loud Oh, my God. Hall. Particularly yeah. like one booth where there's a guy on a microphone just 
narrating the entire all of the gameplay. Yeah, there's like a tournament happening. Yeah, like we were a, near the PAX Arena, so it yeah. was uh, pretty loud. Um, but he was playtesting a Call of Cthulhu Seventh Edition uh, adventure that he was uh, writing. It was the second part. It was the middle of a trilogy of adventures. So we're like, okay, so he had to spend ten minutes. All right, here's what your characters have already done, and they they were on the boat, and it, this fucked up shit were ha- happened, and then this other fucked up shit happened. And we're like, okay, all right. Uh, and then we're trying to, uh, basically we know somebody we thought died on that boat actually showed up a month later in this small village dead. And we're like, well, that's weird. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we go into the small town and we investigate it. And the anecdote, uh, is that it was basically the nicest confrontation with robed armed cultist I've ever had in a Cthulhu game. Cause usually that yeah. only goes one way. Yeah. Yeah. Like Photogen, here's your knife in your chest. You might be, or, a deep as a, or Thompson, my, my Thompson will be my spokesperson. Yeah. yeah. Well, we didn't have any Thompson, so that was good. Uh, but we were, uh, basically, yeah, at this bed and breakfast, you know, we'd been asking the wrong questions all day long to the wrong people, apparently. Yeah. And these dude robed dudes break in, uh, they take our uh, innkeeper hostage. You know, the sweet old lady. The sweet old lady. <laughs> Which, I, yeah, we got attached to her like, oh, this will not stand. Yeah. Uh, we draw our weapons. They have theirs. And then they start asking us about stuff. And I'm like, wait. And then we basically, through figuring this shit out, it's like, oh, you're a different cult than the cult we're hunting. In fact, you're hunting the same cult that we're hunting. And they're like, oh, okay. Like, like, hey, could you? Did you? We're, we're talking. Could you let the old lady go? Like. All right, fine. Yeah, so they let her go, and we uh, well, we had a simple just, conversation. Yeah, yeah, there was it was actually I, I, quite I, nice. we were all feeling it too. Just wow, this is so, I've never done this before. The, the initial description kind of gave him this mental image of like stereotypical Canadians. Uh, they were <laughs> Irish, actually. Yeah, okay. well, like, actually, apparently yeah. they were like uh, druids. Yeah. Okay, fine, but stereotypical Canadian druids would have made this funnier. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like, yeah, playtest note. Uh, please make them. Uh, yeah. so, uh, all so, the, all so, the characters uh, from Letterkenny. So, uh, oh, uh, so uh, sorry about that. Uh, okay, so, but, but we see we we uh, we got to stop the uh, old ones there. You yep. Know? Uh, so yeah, we then of course we then went to this person's house and found a monster, and one of us nearly died. I forgot who. Uh, uh, I don't think it was me. So. Yeah. Was the monster polite? Uh, no, no, no. It no. just wanted to kill us. That would have been funnier. I, I, I think it was one of the other guys who was playing with us who nearly got nailed by that one. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, it was. Yeah, it was I kind of squeaked in with a open slot. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the picture of like a monster standing over somebody. Well, I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to do this, but uh, <laughs> you're human and you're fucked. Yeah. It's like so. Uh, I'm it's kind of a job description. It's like so. Uh, it's like so. Don't take it personally there, but I'm going to kill you. Uh, it's union rules. <laughs> kind of. I don't remember the name of the adventure. Um, it's a 1920s adventure. It's a trilogy. It's being written right now, and I think it'll come out later this year. Yeah. Uh, it's written by Jared B. I know his name. Yeah. With I think B. I kind yeah. of enjoyed it a little more than when I didn't have all the information. Yeah. Well, I mean, the information was based on like we had done part one. Like, yeah, so we just kind of had to now. catch up to speed. Yeah. So, like, that's what I liked is like, yeah, yeah. okay, there's a whole thing there that I'm only briefly hearing about. But that's yeah. And, and it wasn't really that hard, too, once we kind of got the general basics yeah. of it and figure out what stuff. happened to this dude. Yeah. Well, it yeah. sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'll get a copy and we'll run it for RPVR at some point. Um, Wait, we do that kind of thing? We do do that kind wow. of thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks for checking in, Tom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I, I just thought we were running, I just thought we were running like, a little social media club. Here. I know, right? What, yeah, I'm an influencer now. I, I'm trying to get those fat sponsorships with uh, uh, 
Rebar Festival or oh, uh, Jesus uh, <laughs> Burn Ward Festival, the Water Festival, RPPR Fest. Yeah, exactly. Water with two no. R's. <laughs> That's right. RPPR is going to have a festival on a Caribbean island. Uh, yeah, sure. We won't <laughs> be no, no, there. No, someone else is going to do it. I'm just telling you about it. Yeah, because they're paying me. Because I'm right. Because you're a partner. Where is our cut? You're a, <laughs> pay up, Ross. Only uh, if you endorse it, Aaron. Yeah. Only if you endorse it. <laughs> no, because I'm endorsing RailleryCon. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sean, any particular anecdotes from late, uh, games you've been playing in lately you want to talk about? Um, well, we, actually, uh, Greg, who's been in the... Uh, uh, what's it? Unknown Army's campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does. He's also in the Grapevine crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been... There's been a couple of interesting moments there. I'm not going to give the context, but a glitter bomb did happen in red markets. Anyhow, <laughs> I know if I told the whole story, Caleb's like angry spirit would come through the wall and just start beating the shit out of me. But anyhow, and I'd be like, Caleb, you're still alive. Why? Is this your stand? And he's like, I hate JoJo. And he'd be, yeah, it'd be great. Anyhow, um, I but, don't understand that reference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's, I, I know it does not totally fit what he wrote the game for, but I'm still yeah, yeah. snickering at it. So, uh, but that, that's one tiny thing, but, during one of the nights that where you know somebody somebody couldn't make it, uh, Greg decided to run a game called Laser Kittens. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've heard of it. I've not played it. Yeah. Uh, the, so the basic premise is your characters are kittens in a universe where all cats have magical laser powers. Okay. Uh, all the powers. You can just say Cinnabar. It's fine. <laughs> all, all the powers rhyme with pew pew pew, but it's like what you can do, and it's like everything mm-hmm. from you can break shit to summon animals to do your bidding <laughs> just, you know, he- heal things, make everybody completely lose focus of what they're doing because you're so, so damn cute, whatever you set up all your skills. Like, you know, classes your character might've taken the best part of this though. I know it's still kind of like, you know, happy, clappy, cutesy most of the way, unless you get a group that plays it a certain way. Uh, the most interesting dy- dynamic is there is no set GM. Ooh. Hmm. So every scene Everybody has to bid what they want that scene to be about, and then you play a card face down, and based on the value of the card, positive, negative, high or lower, if you have the high card, you, you're you telling the story. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the scene, you assign experience based off of who you felt got the point of the uh, – got the lesson. Then next scene, everybody bids again. You can also use this mechanic to, like, clear out – it's easy, like, playing cards, so you can clear out bad cards by – underbidding and you know, like oh here's my scene Bleh, whatever oh look i lost i have to ditch this crap card <laughs> but it had some interesting mechanics i just like the idea of the not just every session is around robin like within the session there's multiple round robin gms hmm. and i thought that was pretty cool hmm. so that is really cool yeah. uh i actually kind of i definitely want to play that now um so anyways uh did you record that no that was not recorded okay. because not everybody there was cool sure, recorded, sure. So. no that's fine that's fine uh, we'll just have to play it for RPPR at some point. Uh, oh my god! We'll yeah. bring it, I'll bring it up with Greg sometime. Cool. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I think that wraps up this episode. So, uh, yeah. Uh, t- uh Twitter handles for anybody? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, at Aaron Karsten. So, uh, yep. Find me. Uh, yep. Uh, Angrily tweet at him. So, show, don't I, no. <laughs> tweet with trem- Angrily uh, tweet me about me about what? I tweet with oh. tremendous fervor. Hashtag big mood. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm I'm at Lustrian Snake. All right. Yeah. Angrily tweeted him too. I do not twatter. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, and uh, angrily tweeted me or not, or uh, happily tweeted me. Like just, just praise me. That's uh, what you should do because I'm an influencer. <laughs> praise <laughs> you. Yeah. Influence uh, this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye.